was... I can tell that we're all cut from the same cloth. I think we're all about the same age. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm telling just, you. I just turned 52. If I, I lived in your neck 81. of the woods, I'd be, I'd be insinuating myself into your group so fast. <laughs> oh, for sure. Old men rolling dice. Everyone is welcome at our table. Nostalgia is what we do. Hi, this is Jeremy with Old Men Rolling Dice, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jiminy Jason, here beside me. We have the pleasure of having John from Tale of the Manicore with us today. We're going to talk to John a little bit about what inspired Tale of the Manicore and where he draws his inspiration from. Maybe we can hear about a book or a movie or something that has pointed him in the right direction. We'll see. We are. So I guess we're discussing, yeah, like the whole grimdark scenario. So John, welcome to Old Men Rolling Dice. Yeah, Thanks no, for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'm one episode, only one episode behind on this year's uh, season of Tale of the Manicore. I talked mm-hmm. to Sonic Decay, who we work with occasionally. Yes. And I know he's a massive fan. He's always asking me, have you caught the latest episode? <laughs> so, so John, where does Tale of the Manicore sort of start? And, 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 and where, do, where do you sort of get your spark of inspiration for it from? Well, uh, for anybody who's listening that uh, doesn't know... Um, what it is uh maybe i'll give the uh the elevator pitch which i'm famously bad at so uh forgive me for the mess that i'm about to create here the show is a kind of a hybrid it's a it's a mashup um of uh audio drama and old school uh D actual play so um but but the thing that kind of makes it more complicated is that it's also a solo play uh this is one of those things that's born of the uh pandemic and um, as, a, as an old man who wanted to come back and roll dice very badly uh, during the pandemic, I found that I couldn't really do it because all of the tables were closed. There, nobody was playing. Uh, I tried the online thing uh, with varying degrees of success. Uh, it didn't really scratch the itch quite right. So I decided to make this podcast um, in which I would do some solo play, which is something I've never been interested in and probably would have told you it couldn't possibly work before I did it. Uh, and, um, but I, I didn't want to do like an actual play. I wanted to do something a little bit more dramatic and with music and sound effects and all that stuff. So I made this audio drama version of a solo actual play. Uh, does that make sense? As I say, I'm really bad at this elevator pitch, but I keep trying anyway. No, I, I think it makes sense, but, but I'll, maybe I'll ask you if people aren't familiar with terms, I would expect they are if they're here. So what would an old school role-playing game be are we talking like bx or yeah. like red box blue box yeah we're, we're talking bx so i was like um i'm i'm just about to turn 50 and so in the early 80s i was playing the uh the purple box mold bay edition yes um graduated onto 1e and 2e and then actually i stopped playing the game for like decades and i've only come back to it a couple of days ago yeah, same same thing, huh? Yeah, Jason, uh, Jason's story is very similar. To almost the exact there we same go. story, actually. Uh, so I never expected to come back to BX. Um, I I probably said goodbye to that when I was 13 years old. But because of the medium of podcasting, I wanted something that was like, A, extremely simple and minimal, rules-wise, and B, something that I just knew backwards and forwards. I would have probably slept with that book under my pillow. Like, I think I know every word of every page of the BX rule book. So that just was the right choice for me. 
something um anytime quick, we simple. post that yeah. red book anytime we post that red book on instagram so much feedback and love for that uh version of the game yeah yeah it does something to me i i can't even be objective about it because it was like my favorite thing as like a, an 11 year old kid uh, when i discovered that it blew my mind and mm -hmm. and still does like i still i still feel every bit of nostalgia and good vibes out of that book i remember we talked about this and i think we, we did our origin story and it's like the first time you sat down at the table and those books were there the concept of what a game could be between friends mm -hmm. suddenly changed the, the yeah. walls get blown off like the game uh, absolutely. is off the table there's no yeah. board there's no edges it um it I think takes I, forever to wrap your head around how big it can be i think i've used this yeah. term before but i feel like that moldvay box for so many of us was a paradigm shift yeah it was like absolutely this is how this is what a game can do and you sort of have that in your mind and i'm talking about like board games right, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and then along comes the moldvay box set and no exaggeration mind blown yeah what you can do with a game now let me add this anybody listening if if you're worried that you are you know maybe you only play fifth edition or you're only familiar with third edition go and give tale of the manacora listen because john actually will stop play and break down like you break down what you're rolling for and why you're rolling for it based on those old rules yeah i kind of have the the player hat and the dm hat and i'll just sort of switch them up if something needs a role then i'll go into dm mode and if something needs to be sort of um quote unquote played out then i'm kind of back in the player mode so why solo then so partly because of the pandemic, um, I wanted to get into it. I didn't want to wait. Um, and I had I had discovered, so I, I was trying to scratch the D&D itch um, in every way possible. I, you know, watching Game of Thrones and reading the books and uh, reading some other stuff, Moorcock and Vance and other, other mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I had discovered podcasting. And, and the first one I found is, it was a very popular one. It's the uh, Adventure Zone by the McElroy yes. brothers. Yep. And uh, I discovered that one. And even though like a comedy podcast isn't my favorite thing, I, I like them. And theirs is fantastically good, especially the the balance arc, the first one. Mm -hmm. um, so I started looking for more and I found God's Fall with Aram Vartian and saw what can be done with uh, audio production. And I thought, wow, this really raises the bar. And then I found another one called The Iron Realm. And I always credit The Iron Realm as kind of um, my real inspiration. So we're talking about inspiration. This is probably my first big one. The Iron Realm podcast is basically somebody who's doing what, what I'm doing now. Uh, I just wanted to kind of push the boundaries of what he was doing. So, so The Iron Realm is maybe a simpler version of what I've got going on. And when I found his, I thought, oh, this is, this is the way. This is the way for me. Uh, I'm going to take the things I like from what he's doing. I'm going to drop the things that I don't really like from what he's doing. And I'm going to try and make the audio production as good as possible. And I, I come from a, an audio background. I used to be in a band and I've got a studio at home and some nice mics and blah, blah, blah. So I thought I can, I can do this. I can, I can take the germ of this idea and, and turn it into something more polished and more highly produced. If I'm going to run a solo game, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of people out there going, how, how can you be the DM and know essentially all the secrets mm -hmm. uh, and be a player at the same time? So can you can you walk us through sort of a little bit about? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I know how you're doing it from just listening to the podcast, but but maybe uh, let our listeners know how you how you do that. 
Sure. And, and, you know, there's a few ways to do it. So my way certainly isn't the only, or even necessarily the best way to do it. Sure. Um, and definitely, I would have said like, you can't, you can't do it. It can't be done. I mean, there's too much of a conflict of interest between player and DM. Um, but it turns out it's actually really, really easy and really intuitive and really rewarding, partly because you get to have the game you want to have. You don't really have to compromise. And that's always a, a part of uh, gaming, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's no one who uh, cancels at the last minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so scheduling is a snap. One of the um, best memes I've seen on the internet was the D&D me- movie will not fly, not because of the acting or the story, because at the last minute, everyone will cancel and you'll have to, you won't be able to go. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. All right. So the way that solo works, um, well, the way I do it is I just basically take I roll up some characters real quick, the way that you do in the uh, in the old school. You know, just it's like five minutes per character, maybe less, and and then sort of make a mental decision not to get too attached to those characters because they're very very um, uh, weak at the beginning, <laughs> yeah, very fragile. And then I put them in a in any situation which involves a conflict. That that's all. You really just have to pick any situation. It could be something very simple. In uh, in my first season, I started out with something really, really um, cliched and unoriginal. It was, you know, they were captured by goblins and then something happens that gives them a chance to escape. I didn't want to overthink it. I just wanted to get into it. Uh, In season two, it becomes a little more nuanced because I kind of, I learned what I was doing. But at the beginning, it was really, really simple, just something like that. And then anything that's determined by random, you just roll the dice as you would in a game. And anything that's determined by sort of a player character motivation, really common sense dictates almost everything. And then if you get into a rut, you just go for a walk or you go have a swim or you take, you know, you sleep on it. And in the morning, you know, 19 times out of 20, you've got the solution to whatever problem you had. And it's just, it it writes itself, especially after you've kind of put in a couple of hours of gameplay. There's enough like points of data. I don't know how else to put it. There's enough story elements in there Chekhov's guns, whatever you want to call them, that the story just begins to write itself. It's a magical thing when it kind of takes off. Eventually, the characters resolve into actual characters with individual motivations. And it's clear what any character would do in a given situation because you already said, oh, so-and-so is headstrong. So-and-so is cautious. And just those little decisions that you make as throwaways early on they they snowball into something that becomes a story that drives itself. It's it's bizarre. I've been looking at a lot of random tables lately because we've been digging through mm-hmm. a lot of older books, and um, I think it's amazing when you start playing around them how like one or two keywords can paint mm-hmm. such a big picture. And the yeah, neatest absolutely. part is it paints a different per, uh, picture for everybody who hears it. Like mm-hmm. no two people will get the same collection of three or four yeah. words and come up with the same uh, plot or story. Or yeah. even we've been looking at a lot of NPC generators and stuff, and it's amazing how like two words about a person and you're like, okay, I've already created a mental image of who this person is. Yeah. yeah. And of course, if you're the kind of person that likes random tables, uh, solo play is, you know, you can have a field day. You can, you can randomly generate everything from NPCs to encounters to like, like everything. I have to ask then. So if we're just leaving this to dice and chance, does there come a time where you're, you mentioned not getting too attached, but do you mm-hmm. get attached to the characters oh. in your story? And then does yes. there come a time where the dice doesn't land maybe the way you want that in maybe a person to person game behind the screen, the DM might go, I'm going to fudge that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, are, do you find yourself inclined to ever do that? 
Inclined, yes, but I can't do it. I, I can't ever fudge a role because as soon as I do that, I'm just producing a, an audio drama. Um, yes. I see and so I, I made the decision that even like no matter how bad it hurts, and there have been times where I felt like real genuine loss, the same way you would at a table with your favorite character, mm-hmm. um, because um, the dice sometimes that they can be cruel. And um, I, I don't want to spoil anything that happens in the show. I mentioned off, off the top that um, there's no plot armor. Characters aren't sacred. And if, yes. they, if, if it's their time to go, it's their time to go. And that has happened um, a few times. Well, I think um, I, I don't want to spoil anything either, mm-hmm. but I think in season two, uh, very early on, this happens. It does. There's a TPK in, I think, episode one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and where you thought you were taking this story, it suddenly pivots and turns 180 degrees. I don't know how I ever got this reputation. People think that I love to kill characters. I have, I have the same reputation, Jeremy. To, to say that we're, to say that we're, but that's not to say I don't attach to characters or I don't align myself with them. I, mm-hmm. I actually do very much. I'm kind of where you're coming from, and 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 maybe you you can either agree or disagree with me. But like a character death can be just as um, motivating to a story as, you know, always being successful. Like a heroic deed. Even more. Yeah, Yeah, even more. I got to say some of the most like poignant parts of the story and the ones that have moved me the most, is it weird to say that my own story moves me? But it it does. Those Those are the tragedies, actually. Do you remember when you first like discovered Game of Thrones uh, and maybe if you've read the books, very quickly you learn. Oh my God, this guy will kill main characters. It was a game change- changer, and it made the books very exciting. Yeah, he kind of uh, undoes that, doesn't he? He kind of softens it later on as he goes on, brings characters back from the dead. But at the beginning, that was extremely exciting for me, and really made it edge of the seat action instead of the usual. Uh, well, you know, Spider Man's going to live because Spider Man, he's a very valuable IP. You know, Batman's not dying. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I do remember, like, I had read the books, but even seeing that first season of Game of Thrones, because if you haven't read the books, you're watching that, and based on everything else you see on TV or movies yeah. you watch, you're like, this is a story about Ned Stark who comes south and 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 enters this you know this horrible political mm-hmm. cesspool and he's going to clean it up and then you're like nope i guess that's not what it's about right because this just happened and we learn very quickly that wrongs tend to win out in westeros yeah and it, it makes the whole thing exciting because now you get the sense that anything can happen uh and and i wanted to have that for um for for the story i was telling uh so it definitely hurts sometimes but it's all for the best, I think. It makes for a better story. Tales of the Manticore is pitched as dark. Yeah, yeah. So can you talk to me a bit about what, what you feel makes... Because uh, I I read a lot of people's pitches for like one-shots and that. Come join our one-shot. It's a dark, gritty fantasy world. And uh-huh. I get there and I'm like, this is not... I don't find this to be that dark, but can right. you, can you sort of tell me what makes a campaign dark for you? Like, is there an inspiration, a point of inspiration out there that you're like, that's the kind of dark gritty fantasy that I'm looking for, for the podcast. For, for sure. Yeah. You know, I think I got into um, the sort of dark fantasy uh, mode almost well, not quite by accident, but it, it wasn't what I was going for intentionally. I wasn't thinking I want to make a horror fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, although that is kind of what I've got. 
what I wanted was something that felt real. And I guess you don't have to think about a game like D&D too hard before you realize that the more realism you get, you have to admit this is a this is a horror. Like the, there's a lot of horrific stuff going on. If you have a dungeon with some prisoners in it, if you actually imagine what that's like instead of just kind of going, yep, yeah, there's some prisoners in there. Uh, ten by ten cell. There's some prisoners there. Oh, we freed them. Okay, great. Those they're very um, happy that you freed them, <laughs> and uh, and they they thank you uh, and bow and they and they go away. But if you think about what that would really be like, what would it smell like? What would those people have been through? How would they react to light for the first time if they had seen it? It's a horror. And so the more I started sort of to lean into making um, like verisimilitude in my fantasy world, uh, the more I realized, oh, this is, this is also a horror story. And, and then by the same token, I'm a big horror fan. And a lot of my inspiration does come from horror movies. When I was when I was younger, I would have never watched Friday the Thirteenth. I, I always use this as an example. I agree. This is odd because technically we are that generation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The slasher yeah. film. We at the age we were at and the where and where we were growing up, we were in the heart of that. Yeah, and I was terrified by it. But now, as an adult, I go back and I watch a movie like Friday the Thirteenth, and I can really appreciate the little plot twists in it. And mm-hmm. sort of what the filmmakers were doing with that, and I'm I'm just I I have since started wa- trying to watch more horror films, but yeah, I think there are some gems out there that people overlook. I I don't go um, full dark and full grim. Like I don't discuss uh, torture, and I don't get. There's a couple of lines that I won't cross. Sure. Uh, I don't I don't get into like uh, sex stuff in my show. Yep. Partly because I do it solo, and it would feel weird. <laughs> maybe yeah. Too. Well, you yeah, know what? Anyway. And I like to think that most DMs out there are drawing similar lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's definitely like for adults, but yeah, that, there are some places I won't go. Uh, that said, some of my some of my inspirations are pretty extreme. There's a there's a movie called Martyrs, which is okay. a story about a kind of a cult where people are tortured. Uh, until they uh, achieve like transcendence through pain. And this cult is trying to discover uh, a connection with God or the beyond or whatever uh, through torturing people. And um, that movie was like, so it's very extreme. And I would not recommend it to any of your listeners unless they have a certain uh, level they already know about this movie if they if they're into this stuff. Uh, I don't need to. Yeah. Don't blindly go watch anything. Is what don't, we're saying. Yeah, don't, like, don't do just some homework and decide if you're able to watch it. But uh, but the idea of of these people and how they were living, uh, I, I kind of pluck that and um, use that as my first sort of set piece encounter in the show. There's a, a wizard who keeps. Uh, prisoners under his ruined tower uh, and does experiments on them. And so I, I basically plucked the kind of the look and feel of this um, movie Martyrs um, and and transport transposed it into uh, my story uh, just as a source of inspiration. But I also take things from Clash of the Titans and uh, Legend and um, Willow and all these other sort of classic sure. So it's a bit of a pastiche. I, I try and go for the classic fantasy as much as the horror. It, like I don't sell it as a horror show, but that that is in there. This I, goes back to something we talked about a lot recently, just about nostalgia. And it goes back to something we said earlier. We're all from that era. Like yeah, those yes. movies all hit on 
when we were first getting very interested in gaming, right? Nostalgia plays and, a huge And I think factor. you can feel it now. Like um, the nostalgia for, for people that are young today is going to be the Marvel universe. And I think you can feel that vibe very strongly in fifth edition. And, and you know, like 20 years from now, people are going to look back at that stuff and they're going to get the warm fuzzies that we feel about legend, but they're going to get it over the Marvel universe movies. My last sort of place I wanted to talk to you about was does doing this project does does doing uh, tale of the manicore, does it make you miss playing in sort of a, a multiplayer game or has it, like cemented you in solo gaming is now where it's at for me. I can't, I can't possibly go back to sitting around a table with a bunch of, you know, fart and dick jokes going on. Cause you did say like yeah. playing solo gets you to have your game your way. So has doing this project sort of distanced you from the idea of playing with multiples or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you you're like, geez, I really need to get back to that. That's, that's a really interesting question. And I would, wouldn't have been equipped to answer it a few months ago, but I did over, over the summer, mostly, managed to find um, not just one group, but I've got uh, three, three live table groups going on in Toronto now. I guess, um, I, you know, I don't do anything. I overdo everything. <laughs> uh, so, but I really had wanted to get back to the table because I, I missed that. I missed the, um, the sort of the camaraderie of it. And I missed all the, the fart and dig jokes part of it um, and the kind of, you know, beer and pretzel style of play. I also really wanted to try 5E with a group of people like in the way it was intended not as a solo game uh mm-hmm. and so i joined a 5e table and i started dming um uh, a bx table and then i've joined another bx table where i'm a player and what i've discovered is that um they're very different like the table game it is that compromise the story is going to be uh, less well defined and less developed uh and less rich i, I guess at the end of the day there is going to be a kind of a, that constant breaking of uh, suspension of disbelief because there is going to be somebody who um, creates a monk and the monk is going to be called, you know, Kiki McGee. And, you know, you're <laughs> trying to get into this game and then, oh, I've just brought a new character. Okay, great. What is it? It's a monk. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So you're going to be. I love the disdain be, for the monk class be, from BX starters. Oh my god! <laughs> I, yes. I think we all have that in common. It's like oh, you're going to be the kicking monk. the ogre. Okay, you're going to be kicking the dragon in the face. Okay, okay. So the the depth of immersion much less, and the story much less rich. And I think partly that's because you know it happens once every two weeks or whatever, and so you can't complicate it. It's people would never buy into that kind of richness of story, uh, but a solo game. It's with you whenever you want to think about it. And so, boy, like the story can become very rich. The lore can get really deep as well. Um, so they're two very different things. And I think I want both to, yeah, to sort of like wrap up that idea. I think I like both. I like the social interaction of a table game. And I like to kind of, you know, just shoot the shit with people at a table and have a beer and eat some chips and, and play D&D. But um, I would never give up the solo game just because it has the depth of a novel to me, which I don't get out of most games. Well, let's let's wrap this up. The first season of Tale of the Manticore went how many episodes? Went 76 proper episodes and then some bonus stuff in there as well. So call it 80 all told. So are we aiming for the same for season two? I don't know. I'm just going to like let it run its course. But 
Yeah, because those 80 from season one took two years. Um, so probably two years is about as far as I'll go. Well, John, thank you for being with us today. Thanks we we, uh, we really appreciated uh, uh, chatting with you. You've kind of been on our list for a while. We're like, we need to talk to this guy. We, but like, this is a, we're all, we're enjoying these podcasts. We need to find out more. We, well, every time you come up, we just refer to you as Manticore. Yeah. Oh, I got a message from Manticore. It's like your code name. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just tell us like why it's called Tale of the Manticore? And I think we'll wrap up on that note. Well, I mean, I think there's a law that says you got to have a pun, right? Yeah, you got to have a pun in your name. Um, I I'd thought of a couple of uh, options. I thought about Die by the Sword and a bunch of other things. And eventually, Tale of the Manticore occurred to me. And I Googled it to see if it already existed. And when I found out it was available, I was like, well, that's that's what it is. This is the pun for me. That That's how I came up with Tale of the Manticore. And also, I, I like the, uh, the sort of the potential for a logo. Yes, yes, it for is, sure. And, and I always like when you talk about how the Manticore tail is cruel and spiked, and I'm just like, yeah, it 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 paints a good picture and a direction for the for the show. Yeah, it allows me to pour pour on a bit of melodrama there, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, John, this has been a delight for us, and uh, we wish you all the best on season two. So, anybody out there wants to find you, they should look for you. Anywhere podcasts are downloaded. Yeah, anywhere at all. And actually yeah. recently on Amazon Music, Amazon actually reached out to me and asked if, if I'd like to be a featured artist. So, um, yep, well, now available great. also on Amazon. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, thank you for listening to Old Men Rolling Dice. You can check us out on Instagram, Twitch. We're over on YouTube. We're, we're all over the place. And you can download us. Well, if you've downloaded us, you know where you found us. But we are available on, on all platforms, Spotify, apple i think we're on amazon i don't think we got an invite we just forced ourselves in <laughs> thanks for listening and uh, and we'll catch you all next time for unearthed inspiration, inspiration.